Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to another edition of Salon de Speedy Junior, Speedy Junior's Lounge. And I have via telephone from Atlanta, Georgia, my good friend, the international DJ known as DJ Rico Sanchez in the building. Hey, Speedy, what's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing, man? What's going on, man? What's going on with all this coronavirus lockdown in your side of the neck of the woods? Well, in my neck of the woods, uh, everything was going great until this last week where people, you know, mm -hmm. state by state started putting the pressure county by county. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the, the shutdowns. And then I, I can tell you this, most businesses in the nightlife were ready to open if the people showed up. They, they really... They don't seem to care because it's a money situation, but yeah. as far as, uh, you know, people stop showing up. So we worked it to the very last minute. Um, and mainly the reason for that, I, from my perspective, is that not too many people in my vicinity know of anybody sick. Right. Or anybody who's gotten sick from it. So it's almost like, when you usually have a flu a lot of people get sick you tend to hear about it you know I've been in countries like you know Africa where malaria just runs rampant and you know you know you, if you don't have the vaccine you can't even get on the flight over there right and once you're over there the malaria is like everywhere sometimes you know whether especially in West Africa and um uh, They'll tell you right off the bat, you know, even in most of the hotels I stayed at over there, for instance, like in Accra, you know, some of the guys had malaria and they would just, you know, get the fevers and clock out and head to the house or whatever or go to the hospital. But for the most part, you knew and you were aware that a lot of people were you know, there was a, a malaria, a small malaria outbreak somewhere, you know? Right. Where over here, um, in the nightlife, I haven't really seen anybody. Like, yeah. you know, you, you hear the news, you hear the actors, you hear, mm -hmm. you know, ball players, everybody, everybody in Hollywood, everybody in the media is getting sick. But, you know, unfortunately, I would say fortunately, you know, <laughs> In the, right, correct, in the correct way. Fortunately for me, I, I haven't, I, nobody I really know has gotten it that I know of, you know? And then there's the conspiracy theories, you know? Yeah, is yeah. It is it really out there? Yeah, is there wild. really a virus or is, mm -hmm. there, is there some kind of government cover-up going further into the rabbit hole, you know? Yeah. So, I know, man. I, I, I love to talk about all that stuff, man, but then it gets, like, you know, out of the scope of of what this podcast is all about but i want you know i wanted to talk to you for a long time um get you on the show um you know we've been we've been uh good friends best friends for many years and you know you have you have uh, a a perspective on the dj life from an international touring dj aspect i mean you've been all around the world a lot of people don't know that um you've been to australia you've been to bahrain you've been to dubai Africa. I mean, you just it's 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 wild, man. Just the whole 
you know your whole your whole resume uh, on on your touring and all that stuff what got you into djing first let's start from the beginning for anybody who doesn't know about rico sanchez what got you into the game um you know uh the, the what i can say the cliff notes version you know i'm sure you could talk forever about the beginning um around music you know in my in my household you know my dad was a musician he was a percussionist um all throughout my childhood as, as i was a child uh you know all the bands used to practice at my house in in puerto rico i was you know born and raised in puerto rico and then um you know i'm talking like major bands like you know la, la solucion uh with frankie ruiz and all that stuff and i you know i grew up in maya west and my dad used to um you know, playing the band, and then they used to practice at my house. And of course, he knew just about every other musician involved in salsa at the time. Uh, back in the early, late seventies, early eighties. Um, going forward, you know, I moved to Florida, always influenced by music, and you know, hip hop took over at first first it was like house music hip-hop started coming on the tv on the radio and as you know as you're growing you know you hear your dad's music what they listen to and then you you know you start growing into your teenage years and you get captivated by the sound of what's what's popping on the airwaves and at the time it was house music you know freestyle um i knew a couple of kids that were going to parties put together by other guys in, mm -hmm. in middle school and high school. Right. And a couple of senior guys that were had moved down from New York to Florida and uh, they had a crew called House Swingers and uh, they used to play house parties but then they used to mix not only house, a little bit of hip hop and the parties used to be thick man and sometimes there used to be a youth group at the, at the church where I used to go to, that blew up into house parties, and everybody used to congregate. And I used to see, you know, a couple of the guys, uh, actually one of them became a pro boxer, um, Danny Santiago, he fought Roy Jones a few years back. Yeah. You know, he, he used to have turntables, hundreds. he was nice on the tables. Um, another guy named, uh, Wilders, Wilders, uh, my man, uh, Benny Medrano, and all those guys. They were all DJs, and they all used to, you know, bring a crate of records and whatnot, and everybody share records, and everybody put the parties together. And I would just be that kid that, you know, I used to help out carry records for them, mm -hmm. watch the movement, and pick up tips here and there. Right. Years, years later, as I grew up, you know, I ended up going moving to Tampa. And I ran into more DJs, and I went from you know being a very, very, uh, very naive in the game, you know, from learning how to mix records, what records to buy, you know, messing with tapes and trying to do mixtapes, and right. to just I decided to do like my own series of mixtapes, and I got popular in my neighborhood at the time, and. Um, I started selling mixtapes all through the barber shops, all through the city. People used to come to my house, and from there that led to like, yeah, you know what? This is a cool hobby, but I can make money from it. So 
And then I started throwing parties where I could get paid. Sometimes I, if I couldn't DJ the whole night because I didn't have enough records for the whole entire night, I would mm-hmm. hire other DJs. Ah, okay. I started, you know, DJ A Rock, uh, who's mm-hmm. a really good friend of mine too, a friend of ours actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to hire different guys, and so we used to put on parties. Right. So I was kind of like a slash promoter slash DJ, and from there went to Tampa. Met another guy named DJ Extreme in Tampa in the early um, early nineties, and he actually, um, you know, he was like everything I ever wanted to be as far as the DJ wise. He had, you know, first of all. You know, I only had two turntables. When I met this guy, this guy had like eight turntables, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like over 3,000 records, uh, just something beyond real. And, you know, you know, Rob went by the name of DJ Extreme. And he used to DJ all the main clubs, and I was still trying to get in the club scene in Tampa because I had just uh, migrated down from Ocala, North Florida, because I used to do clubs in Ocala and Gainesville. Right. And, but you know, the scene up there in Gainesville's a college town, Ocala's just a, just like a dairy town in the middle of central Florida. It's like between Orlando and Gainesville. And the nightlife there, it just wasn't at the level it should have been. Um, you know, not compared to the, to, to the city of Tampa at the time, Ybor City was really big or, or for perhaps the likes of Miami. So, long story short, you know, I just started, practicing going to parties and meeting other DJs and networking and getting with promoters and you know that led me to like a full career in DJing as a hobby part-time getting paid while I was going to college because the main reason I moved to Tampa was to pursue um, commercial illustration in college I went to college for art um, which today to this day that also helps me as a DJ so as a DJ you gotta have a lot of tools you know um, you gotta have so the, you know, yeah, I have the full package, like they say. You have the graphics, the marketing, the the ability to you know produce, record. You gotta be a one man show. Right. And I guess from my growing up early in those days, I kind of I kind of saw that that was the angle. So you gotta be able to do everything because if not, you was just paying for everything. And it, it wasn't smart business if if, if you what we're trying to save and make money and 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 have longevity in this game you know okay. um, so from from my perspective in, in the DJ business in my early days um, you know it was really back then it was just getting with the right promoters on the biggest parties right. finding the right club owners finding the you know spending countless hours in record stores finding the right records uh, and it was the birth of a lot of things. It was raves were at an all-time high. Everybody was doing raves. Of course, you know, I feel the drug scene. Uh, at the same time, you also had early birth of uh, urban Latin music, like reggaeton was, in, was coming up. You know, you had the main Latin party. You see, you know, merengue, salsa, freestyle, house, all that. Um, Bachata came like later. Bachata mm-hmm. was like late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't you, realize that that Rico Sanchez is is a master of many genres. Um, when you have to be that way to to be the kind of international DJ that you are. Um, explain to the to the uh, to the 
DJs that might be listening to the show today or tonight or whenever, um, you know, the importance of of being versatile. Yeah, the importance is mainly one is education in yourself uh, because you do, you know, the, the, the minute that you learn more about the different types of records and different types of scenes, mm -hmm. um, you expand your library. Um, you could captivate a bigger audience. Um, the biggest thing that I see a lot of DJs when they start traveling is they have one focused mind that's based on their local scene. Right. And, you know, local scenes fluctuate depending on what state, uh, what country, you know, and what part of the world you're in, really. Um, because I can tell you right now, you could grab the hottest you know, hip hop DJ in Miami, that doesn't mean it's gonna rock the the, the, the best hip hop party in New York. That doesn't work that way because they everybody has a scene and vice versa, you know? Um, you might fly a New York DJ down nowadays and he'll rock, but he won't be in tune with the local Miami stuff. It's the same thing when those guys go to LA. People some people still stuck in the nineties in LA and LA's got a bunch of local stuff too popping, you know. Um, it's just every scene fluctuates and, you know, gets different, you know. Right. Um, it's just being in tune with all those records. Now, when it comes to the global market, yeah, you know, you got, you, you know, you got the Middle East, you got India, you got Asia. Um, there's so many different genres. Also, the, the, in house music, you know. Um, if you want to do the big calls in Ibiza, you know, you got to get into that minimal tech, you right. know, deep house. Uh, also, you got to do techno. Uh, it's like when you meet DJs from London, a lot of them that do UK techno, UK house. That house is so completely different to the house music that's played in America. Right. So it's like, you know, sometimes it'll humble a lot of people if they don't understand the different aspects of music or um they don't research djs and they, they're just focused on what they know you know the main thing the most important thing is research the best djs the best djs out there research research the obscure djs um you know because a lot of you can find a lot of gems in underground parties a lot of a lot of dope tracks a lot of epic things that you'll never get from a commercial mainstream right um you know something that's commercially controlled in the top 40 area arenas mm -hmm. or whatnot it, you'll never get that that record that that drives the people crazy if you don't if you don't go into the underground scene but what makes an international dj a seasoned dj is when you're able to love it all right. you know don't knock rock for rap don't knock house for techno don't knock techno for you know mm -hmm. if you love it all you can expand your horizon right because it's, the truth is I've met plenty of DJs that were good at one genre and that was it but yet they call themselves international just because they had a few songs on their in their crates or in their laptop or whatever you know right. and that's not being an international DJ, you know. If you can't rock a whole four hour set to a full night of that type of music, then all you're doing is you're just you're just dipping your foot in the water, you know? Right. And that and that's what a lot of people 
a lot of DJs in the game, you know, they, and I'm not saying anything against what started this, because this was really started, this international open format thing was really pioneered by DJ AM and, you know, his crew and his followers and stuff like that. But he knew his records, he knew his music. A lot of people t- try to mimic his style. They very seldom, they, they just scratch the surface. They're not, they don't go that deep. Right. And that that's what made him who he was, because he could go that deep. Versus a lot of DJs just scratch the surface. They think, you know, you know, they think they got they got they got the ten highest records and they think they 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 conquer in that scene. Yeah. But when you really get flown out to certain places where you really gotta show and prove that you know your stuff, you know, the crowd will test you. Yeah, they will. They will. Um, but it, your resume speaks for itself. I mean, from the heydays of Ybor City, um, from to to New York to the Bronx to uptown to manhattan the club scene over there to miami uh west palm beach las vegas um and then you know when when did you say ah man you know what i want to take this these gigs the explain the whole international like i'm gonna take a gig in ibiza uh contract and and things that a lot of these djs you know dream about you lived it so so i mean explain explain the 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 whole game you know not the whole game you know without giving it up because the game you know it's like you say you know you know what i mean the the game is to be sold not to be told right but just the intro you know the 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 basics the one-on-one well most djs are content with djing locally yeah and just catching the fame off of there and, and right. they don't want to step out of that arena yeah but you know when you when you are dedicated to what you do because you know there's a lot of great djs out there and i'm I'm not gonna sit here and toot my horn as being the best dj out there or or being one of the greats i'm just content with what i do but the truth is that in that arena when you're a working dj and you work all the time and you're constantly gigging in your own town you 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 know you get past a certain a certain uh a plateau a plateau yeah you get past a certain uh, area of like well i've done this club i've done every just about every club in town what's really next exactly and i guess it was um it was around the time i was doing the hard rock uh over there in tampa Mm. and a little bit prior to that, I, I was—I I used to do clubs. I noticed that when I would go to Miami or I'd go up to Panama City Beach, like Club La Vila and places mm-hmm. like that, you would notice that you'll always see a billboard for some DJ you've never heard about. And I'm not talking about, you know, the, 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 the known guys, you know, David Morales, Tisto, David Guetta, yeah. all these famous people. There was always these like unknown DJ guys. TikTok. <laughs> Huh? Like DJ right. TikTok, DJ Random, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, some DJ name. You, you, you're like, yo, who is this guy? You go to Miami, you see this guy's on a billboard. You know, this guy's doing like uh, one of the highest clubs, but he's doing it like on a Monday or Tuesday. And you're like, yo, they're opening this club for this guy. Who, who the hell is this guy? Like, right. you know, who's, or he's signed with a label. He's coming in, and you've never heard of this guy. You, and then even. Even some of the people had never heard of the guy that, that were promoting him. 
it'd be like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, so and so is bringing this guy, and, and it'd be like the main promoter along with the owner, and you'd be like, so he'd say, oh, some guy that does house, or some guy that's really good in Spain, or some guy that's you know that's high in Italy right now. This guy's you know killing it, and in France, and then you hear these you will hear these names and these titles and you look and you're like, you will wonder where this person was be coming in from. And, you know, on top of that, the pay rate was, was higher than, than what, you know, local DJs were getting. Right. On top of that, accommodations mm -hmm. and so many different things. And then you start there, you start to think, okay, what's he doing that, that I'm not doing? Mm -hmm. And, And, and that is, in itself takes you down, you know, a big journey. It takes you down a, a long journey because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, you come out and you realize, okay, so these guys are being flown out. The worst part about it is, it's, I guess it's a motivation one way, because one, let's say you go to these guys' shows, You go to the show that night, meet the right. DJ, mm -hmm. introduce yourself, you show love and everything. But then they tell you, uh, yeah, so what So what you do? And they're like, listen, man, I, you know, we're booked like 28 days out the month. And right now we're a little bit jet lagged, so we, we can't hang too much. We're going to go get some sleep and catch the flight in the morning. And you're like, wow, these guys are <laughs> they're booked. You know, they're flying from like... At the time, they were flying either from Tampa, Miami, to like, you know, Australia, or they were going to South Africa, and you're like, what? <laughs> like, you know, it's a whole different lifestyle versus you're stuck in the same town every weekend, being with the same promoters, the same people. Um, and when you, you know, the treatment that I saw that these people would get was obviously way different than the average I see you every day treatment, you know? Right. And a lot of that all I guess all in a, in a cocktail of if you put it all together and make, make it into a complete cocktail or smoothie and you and you put that you wash that down you realize you know what 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 the hell are they doing and but the key is a lot of them were producing their own music mm. and that's where the production part <laughs> you know you, you have to get into because you realize wow you know these guys are being flown they're you know, packaging the tours, and the whole time you've been playing everybody else's music. Right. You know. So is that? So is that? That's what. That, that's good to segue into what I really want to talk about is the music. Is that? Was that the springboard for uh, the production side of Rico Sanchez, um, the the international DJ game, or is this something you always wanted to do? Yeah. Well, I never thought about producing because I was always a DJ. Mm -hmm. I. You know, when you're a DJ in the mindset of of just, you know, falling in love with music that's already out there. And, you know, you're not thinking creatively, oh, I, I could produce that too. Or you haven't been introduced to a producer that's showing you, hey, you could do this too. Or, you know, you could sample, you could mess around with records. But if you're not really influenced into that, it doesn't naturally come. Right. It's just like... I, I, I could tell you from from experience like I've tried to produce and I, it's just not it's just not my my skill set you know what I mean like I, I could do very simple things and 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 man yeah. I, I give it up to yeah. people who can who can do that because it's just you it, know it, it, it's it just takes, not me it, it, I don't know it, it yeah it takes it takes a lot of a lot of patience it takes a lot of trial and error um, 
you know, I can tell you, I, I'm not, I'm not nowhere near where I want to be. Um, I've taken maybe five to seven years trying to build the proper production and produce right. Um, things are getting easier with software, um, different synthesizers and tools, and and the industry on the producing end. The people who are really making money are the people selling the software and the the DAWs, the digital audio uh, workstations, and all this. Some people are making a killing. They're they're making millions off of people trying to learn to produce because the ones who have actually produced and become successful have turned it into such a multi-million dollar businesses that you you know now that's the way it goes. But to break it down to somebody that that is out there and listening to this, I'll tell you straight up, it comes down to, to these very things. The main thing is most kids, if they're really serious or thinking about producing, they're gonna go sign up to a school, one of those expensive schools in Orlando, or I'm not gonna drop no names because you know how it is, but yeah. um, people will sign okay. up for these outrageous, uh, you know, expensive uh, mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that actually really make it in music, they barely come out of school. So it's just people who who are really hardcore. Like like I've met people that told me, Oh yeah, I went to school for DJing and I, I just laugh at that. I'm like, Wow, you know, like like <laughs> just like <laughs> Well like, I, okay. Uh, you know? uh, to touch on that, uh, I guess apparently you need a license or or to DJ in New York City now or something like that? Well, in some, in a lot of places, you do. Um, but if you're licensed through ASCAP or BMI, in, in some places, for instance, like here in Atlanta, you can't be a cocktail, a cocktail server or a bartender if you're not licensed or registered with the county. And all they do is they take your picture, right. your ID, and they, they make sure they want they, they want their taxes. Well, no, it's, it's more for. Um, they do tax you, you know, they, they charge you $35, some kind of registration fee, but it's more for, uh, I would say, alcohol poisoning prevention and stuff like that. You okay, know? Or, all right. Um, because for instance, I, I, at least in the state of Georgia, I know that if, you know, if somebody passes out, gets alcohol poison or something happens, a, a, drink, a drunk driver, you know, a person that left the club was drunk, they want to they target everything back, trace it all back to the club. We all were serving him drinks. Uh, did this bartender mm. know that that person was intoxicated? I see. And it's easier for, the, I guess, the county, the police departments to just pull up the file. Okay, who, who works at this club? Rather than to go to a club and, and what used to happen in the past, it's like, you know, you go to a club, the owner don't want to snitch nobody out or something like that. I'd be like, Right. But I would just quit and stuff like that. So now, in most working venues, they have a record of everybody working um, for it. You know, so there's no illegal, there's no illegal practices and stuff like that. So right. here in Atlanta, they practice, they practice it a lot. So um, you know, most girls, you know, they can't get a job even if they're just serving wings and stuff like that at most bars, unless they're registered with the county. Um, and it's what it is. It's like an investment over here, you know. In Miami, I think they do the same thing. Uh, I know for a while in, in, in the UK they were doing that with DJs, and something happened where um, I know 
uh, there's a story of the bouncers also. There was there was a situation in, in, in the UK where a lot of bouncers make a lot of money because the, the security staff also has to be certified and trained. I know in the UK you gotta have some kind of certificate. So mm. a lot of a lot of people don't know that. It's like now for instance, like if as a DJ, you know, like I can't do certain resource like if I like I've done the Atlantis and places like that, but as a DJ, I have, to, I have to carry insurance for everybody at that party up to two million dollars, right. and that's why a lot, of, a lot of DJs don't make it that far because a lot of DJs, if they're weak, if they're weekend wires, they're not looking to purchase insurance or do all that extra paperwork for just the one-time gig on, on, on in spring. You know, right. it's like, and even if it's maybe you might get to a season or maybe four or five dates even though they pay good some DJs are not willing to do that but it's most you, you gotta be serious about it like you know I'm in a tier right now where personally I'm not a big act I'm not a small act I'm an intermediate act you know uh, in, in commercial casino nightclubs you got your big acts that they consider people that like some Poly D uh, Little John you know they're the ten, twenty thousand dollar acts then you got the intermediate acts, which is like, you know, a lot of seasoned DJs, you got a lot of guys from Club Killers, and you know, you got uh, Rich Crew, you got Scam Artists, you got a lot of agencies that got a lot of those mid-level tier guys that, you know, they're ranging from anywhere from uh, a thousand, I would say 1200 to 2500 a DJ set. And you get, you know, you get certain exceptions with guys, you know, certain guys out of Miami. Uh, I'm not going to drop their names just, you know, for personal preferences. But, you know, you got a couple of guys in Miami that, that, that are hitting sometimes 4,500. One or two guys in Vegas, a couple of guys in Jersey, they're, are, they're out there at the 5,000. Some guys in New York, some of the greats in New York are at the $5,000. It's either $3,000, $5,000 range. A lot of guys on heavy rotation. That's another agency that's, that's uh, widely known. Um, they got guys like that. And, you know, you just, some of it is based on, on fame. Some of it is based also on, mm -hmm. sometimes it's just the manager. Right. It's a manager just trying to fill dates. Talent uh, has something to do with it, but you have to understand even even clubs in Vegas and, and major clubs in casino resorts, they all have resident DJs because there's always a local guy who's the best in that city or the most connected guy in that city who's an average DJ. And or for instance, in the case of, uh, of certain cities like Tampa. Like at the Hard Rock, you know, we had some guys that were average DJs, but a lot of it had to do with a lot of the equipment they owned. These guys had lasers, they had all the sound, and it was convenient for the for the casinos to say, yeah, I'll bring this guy in because he's got the lasers, the turntables, the, you know, the, the, the dance floor steppers for the go-go girls. So uh, Hard Rock had a situation where they used to have a club where it was more of a restaurant that turned into a nightclub. So, if they could hire a contractor, a DJ who would bring all the, everything to set the club into a nightclub, it was beneficial for them because it was just a write-off. Right. And the, li the, the liability fell on him, and if anything happened to the equipment, it was his situation. So you had a lot, you have situations like that all around. Now, 
the difference is, again, you know, it's you're a casino, so you gotta you gotta splurge because if you're a casino, you're making money. People start talking, oh, are you guys bringing anybody special? So that's where the out-of-town DJ phenomenon comes in. And you got a lot of guys on rotation that are the same guys. What I notice is I'm one of those guys that um, is barely scraping the industry uh, in the in, in I will say in the circuit of of I will say in the circuit of. Uh, casino, hotel, resort, nightclubs mm-hmm. in the United States. I'm I'm barely recognizable to the mainstream guys that are always there. And what I mean by that is, you have a lot of these agencies who are plugged in with these managers at these at these casino nightclub venues uh, in Vegas and Atlantic City. Um, you know, in Miami, um, in the islands, in the Caribbean, in DR, in the Bahamas. And these people are pretty much dictating who, who's, who's those guys in those clubs. And I'll tell you straight up, because this is where the DJ side comes in with, 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 with the, what, the, what we call the DJ rants. And the rant there is that, you know, for instance, you have a lady named Susan at some casino resort in Atlantic City. <laughs> she, she's all of a sudden she's casino nightclub manager or the person in charge of booking. This is this so, is a uh, fictional person, right? Huh? This is a fictional yeah. person. <laughs> this is a person that could be in casino nightclubs. You got people that are either food and beverage uh-huh. managers, right? Or directors of food and beverage mm-hmm. and since they oversee food and beverage now mind you they oversee food and beverage so this has to do with drinks and restaurants and food and all the venues but right. then they also get handed the task of bringing in talent so most 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 of the time i would say 90 percent of the time these people are not connected to nightlife these people are usually in their 50s and 60s. Right. They're just no, they're no uh, average Joes. Right. They, you know, it, it's it's kind of like this. First, it's like you got a lot of good DJs out there, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the the night the top nightclubs, let's say you're a DJ right now in a local city right now in any city in America, you know. Let's say you're the highest DJ in Iowa, you know. And you want to make it to the clubs in Vegas, you want to make it to the clubs in Atlantic City, you want to be in Miami DJing, because you know that's where nightlife is at. So you think to yourself, okay, what does it take for me as a DJ to get there? Right. So you start thinking, okay, I need a website, I need a press kit, I need to produce, I need mixes, I need, you know, my my, my photos, shoot, I need, I need all these things, right? And half the time yeah you do need to have those in place but if you're with the right agency you don't really need to have that you don't even need to have that and and the reason i say that is because you got some lady names becky or suzanne who's food food and, 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 and and beverage director at some casino and she's got a pnl report this lady has to balance you know the, the books. cost yeah, the of cost. entertainment and 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 whatnot and the account 
receivables for all those clubs, you know, the profit margin, the PLL report, you know, profit and loss. That's what it's called, P and L, profit and loss. So she has to manage this throughout the whole year. Now, and within that P&L report, there's a budget for bringing in talent, you know? Some clubs can't go over 1,500, some clubs can't go over 5,000. So, now mind you, you're in your 50s or almost, you're 55 and you got this job, right? Who, what, at, what, at that age, you don't really know that many DJs. So what do they do? They pick up the phone and they call an agency or the agency's already calling them. And then you got these guys out there, these sharks, I call them sharks because they're the ones who, who mess up the DJ game for DJs and the DJs don't know that because a lot of these guys control the scene, but you really gotta kiss their ass to be with them. If you're not with their crew, they're out there trying to play you. They're like, ah, oh, yeah, man, you know, my guys are in the best clubs in the business, but he's been doing it for 10, 20 years, you know, repeatedly. So he already knows these people. So he's the go-to guy to these people. So this lady named Becky, she's got this job. She's got to fill a calendar for the next six months. Mm -hmm. Is it easier for her to go, oh man, I wonder who's hot right now. I'm gonna I'm do research and find <laughs> out who's the highest DJ in Miami, who's the highest, it's just too much work for her. So when an agency calls and says, hey, look, I got 10 DJs for the next six months, I, I, I'll pack your club with the highest DJs. And she's like, okay, how, what's your rate for the DJs? Um, and he, the first thing he said, what's your budget? She said, I got a budget, um, you know, on, at least I could spend up to five grand on one act, you know, every two months. But for, for, for eight weeks, I could do two DJs a month at $1,500, plus flights, plus hotel accommodations, you know? Right. So you're looking at a $3,500 expense that she could balance out on a report and make it look good. So she'll tell the agency, okay, send me, send me 10 DJs for the next three months. And that's, that's all it is. And then, you know, you in the DJ mindset, you're out there on the gram, you're out there on the Facebook, and you're looking at this shit, and you're like, oh, wow, DJ so-and-so, he's so hot right now, yo. He, yo, look at all the dates he's got. I'm like, yo, this, this dude is in the Bahamas three times this year. He's in Las Vegas at the same club five times. What you don't know is that some fucking food and beverage chick who was too lazy to do the research just got handed a bunch of DJs by some agency shark. Right. And so all she's doing is filling out her paperwork, you know, yeah. doing the contracts. What she does is so she goes, okay, I, yeah. okay what, what's his name? Oh, you got DJ, DJ so-and-so, DJ, okay, DJ blah, 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 DJ who, 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 DJ so, okay. All right, I'm going to sign all these guys up, send me the contracts, send me the pictures, we'll get ready on the artwork, and, bro, from there, that's where it comes down. And this is, this is what I found out, you know, after getting into the casinos, mm -hmm. I, I was walking in these offices and I was seeing posters with some of these guys that are known in the game. And some of these guys have been going to the same spots for like 10 years. Wow. It's like, yo, 10 years? I said, this, this, this dude's been here since like 2001. <laughs> and then, you know, the staff, when you meet the staff at some of these places, they're like, oh yeah, 
Oh, like him, he's fucking boring. Oh yeah, every time he comes here, and it's crazy because you on the <laughs> other side don't notice. You don't notice. So the whole time in your mindset, you're thinking DJ so and so is a badass DJ because he's in these clubs because that's the DJ mindset. Mm-hmm. But what you don't really know is that this this fucking dude is getting put in these clubs, <laughs> and he yeah, just he, he just he's, he's getting, just going in those clubs throwing paper uh, paper airplanes. My man, and, and, and it happens all the time. And you get a lot of, and, and you know, not to hate on the ladies. There's a lot of good, good DJ ladies out there. We know a few. Yeah. But then there's there's a also, there's also a lot of whack ones. You know what I'm saying? There's the ones that are just a pretty face. Yeah. They're the it girl. They they're look like a model. Face, yeah. And they're fucking terrible DJ. They don't have a clue, mm-hmm. and they're not mixing. There's a lot of them, and some of them get paid more than those regular guys. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, man, I, I was in, in the Bahamas Memorial Day weekend, and there was one, they had her the Saturday night, which was gonna go to me, and they put her on, and she was wicked whack. And the, and the whole staff the next day was like, yo, why didn't they have you last night? I'm like, I don't call the shots, bro. I just, I just do what the agency tells me to do, you know what I'm saying? I don't have a choice in that. And, you know, the girl was like at 10 grand. She was wow. garbage. People were standing around. It was fucking trash. And I'm and I'm looking at this girl. I'm saying, well, why is this girl so so hot? It was her connections, you know. And and and, and when she, wherever she lives at in in L. A. or she's she's in the T M Z and you know shit like that. And you you start to look at that and you're like, wow, this is this is a fucking it's fucking crazy because you you have no control. That's when you realize. It doesn't matter how good you are as a DJ. Obviously, you have to be a good big room DJ. You have to be able to rock a party. But from my experience, there's a lot of dudes that rock parties locally in a lot of towns. You could be in Bullfuck, Egypt, Montana. You know, no no disrespect to Montana, but you could be way the fuck up there and be a badass DJ and outdo some dudes in Miami and I'll do a lot of DJs out in Vegas. I, I went to Vegas and, you know, I was never, I wasn't impressed not once. Not once with not, none of the dudes I saw out there. It was a lot of mashups, a lot of, a lot of, you know, show antics. The, the beauty of Vegas is you got, you got the clubs. The clubs look beautiful, you know? The people are there really dressed up. The crowd looks nice, but most of the DJs were fucking below average or average at that. It, was, it wasn't like, oh, damn, that DJ made my day. Absolutely not. It was like, I can't believe this guy's playing this. Like, wow. <laughs> that was the response at most of the clubs. And I'm talking about the biggest clubs out there. I was really sort of disappointed, man. From, from coming from a, a veteran DJ that's been DJing in nightclubs since 95. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When you actually step in the arena, you see, oh, man. You know, what, what kind of, because I tell a lot of DJs, it doesn't have to, it doesn't come down to technical skills or scratch or anything, it's what you play that that, right. that, that counts. Are you playing the hardest records? You know, it's like a lot of, there's a lot of DJs out there that claim to be the hardest DJs on the scene, but they're still playing records from 90, from my high school days. Right. And you're like, my man, yo, give it up, man. Are, are you still playing? the same tracks that were hot like in 98 back to back I'm talking about the whole night like they bring you in for a two hour set and you're just gonna you're gonna DMX me Joe Butter me to death all night I'm like really like really man like and you're getting paid five grand to be here 
Like, come on, son. Like, for real, man. You know, music evolved. The game evolved, you know. And no disrespect to Joe Burden or DMS, who they have classic records, but, you know, there's a lot of music out there. That's all I'm saying. You, you feel me? So it's, it's a perspective that a lot of people ain't talking about. I remember I posted some shit on, the, on Serato's forum, and I gained, like, like 50 guys, like, it was around 40 to 50 guys that hit me up talking about, yo, man, what you said on that, on that Serato uh, post was crazy. I never thought about it like that. So I said, that's how it is, man, you know? I said, first of all, it comes down to this. No agency wants to touch you unless you're generating money or you're popular because they need to make money off you. You know, this guy, at any of these agencies, heavy rotation, scam, Rich school, whatever you want, I don't care. I, I'll tell you all the main agencies out there because they're already out there. They all, they are, they're not your friend. They're out there to make money off you. So if, you, if you're the hot DJ right now, the truth is, you know, you could keep your money, you know? You could keep your money. Get yourself a, a hustle. Get yourself directories. Call these clubs. Hustle it yourself. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these guys, all they have is a, is a WhatsApp Rolodex of, of food and beverage directors and club managers that are filling out calendars. A lot of these, a lot of these rosters, they don't, the hype, it, it's all the hype, my man, it's all the hype. You go to these clubs and, and when people see a real DJ go in at these clubs, even the bartenders are like, yo, yo, you really killed it. They know who kills it. From the regular, from the average, guys are all on the scene. The average guys on the mm-hmm. scene, they're disconnected. You gotta remember, when you do a lot of casinos, this is the difference, and this is another thing that comes down. Never really quit your local scene. Always keep one or two clubs because you wanna be relevant to what's hot. What I know is also when a lot of guys do a lot of traveling, a lot of casinos, and they're, they're in a major circuit where they're here today, the next day they're here to here they're so disconnected from what's cool that all they play is a bunch of bullshit it's nothing good because they don't know that hot track that Speedy Jr. is rocking in fucking Tampa right now they don't know that hot track that's trending in Miami they don't know they're, they're, they're going to a lot of these places and they haven't even had two days to update their music on Serato or Record Box or whatever the fuck they use they haven't they haven't even looked at their their, their record pools, they haven't been on DJ City, BPM Supreme, Mixing Vegas, they haven't been on anything, because most of the time, they're traveling, they're worrying about what they gotta wear, what they gotta do, their girlfriend, if they got a family, by the time you get to the gig, you got 30 minutes before the show at your hotel to get ready, mm-hmm. and at that time, you don't really know the songs that well, you don't know what's gonna connect, it's a, it's a blur of misinformation, you know? You get a lot of these guys that you see them and they make a big hype about them. And when you hear it, you're like, man, some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's just the facts. That's just the facts. The facts. I want to talk about um, uh, the songs, man. The songs, the the, the catalog of uh, Rico Sanchez that's available right now. Uh, I invite everyone to, to go follow the man himself on Spotify, he's on everything. A uh, uh, title, Apple Music, wherever you wanna, uh, wherever you wanna li- listen to his productions. Um, why EDM? Why house music? The reason why is because 
you know, you, I sit there and I often wonder, you know, I, I'm, I grew up, I grew up in a time where, you know, drugs were bad, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you grew up in the, I was born in 77, so from there yeah. and up, you know, drugs destroyed neighborhoods, you know? Yeah. And nowadays, you see trap music and you see these kids, you know, talking about this and that, but you know it's all fake. Right. You know? <clears throat> It's, it's, it's really a movie. It's, it's a bunch of actors out here because you, you know in the eighties and the nineties how the drug game was. <laughs> you know anybody that went through that don't want to don't want to glorify that. You don't want to glorify that. You know dudes getting shot, people getting robbed. You right. know all that. You don't want to glorify that. So right. when I when I think of current music or any type of music to produce, I mean I'm a chill ass dude. So. I like the house. I like the EDM side when it comes to turn up. But I, I like classic house. You know, Jack and House is my favorite. Right. Jack and House, New Age Disco, Soulful House. Um, I like I like house music with a lot of old school samples and stuff like that. Now, mind you, my production is nowhere where I where I want it to be. Um, my latest catalog of music is at my website at djricosanchez.com. Um, that's most of the tracks that I'm currently pushing. I, I, I've been with three different labels, but some of these labels have the songs, some of them have changed. And another thing too, I haven't been really pursuing. A lot of, a lot of these you get out there, they're pursuing and chasing labels down. They're chasing a lot of labels. Um, and the reason I haven't done it, it comes down to simply that I don't really have one track that I'm sold on that I'm super happy with, you know? Um, I don't have a track that I'm that I could tell you, you know, this track came amazing because I remember when I finished the track, I was trying to finish it to get it done to meet a deadline, but I was never happy with it, you know? Um, it's kinda like the George Lucas effect with this uh, the, the George Lucas effect with the Star Wars movies, you know, like you felt like it was never finished. It's kind of the same thing with my tracks. And, and the reason why is because I was, you know, when you're trying to get certain sounds and you're trying to use samples and you're trying to use uh, different synthesizers, sometimes you end up going down such a deep rabbit hole that you don't even know what you're trying to get. You know, nobody ever says, nobody ever goes into a studio and says, Yo, I'm going to make this sound just like this and gets it done. Or unless you're like a genius you know, piano player, and you got music theory down to his, uh, uh, like Einstein level, you know, like, and that's the only way that happens because most yeah. people make these beats and make these tracks, and they're really experimenting, man, you know? Right. You're, you're messing with this, you're messing with that, and you're like, somebody might be in the studio and they'll tell you, oh, that shit sounds hot, and you're like, really, you like that? And it's, it's similar to that, you know, the a lot of fly-by-night guys that are out there putting a lot of tracks, they're using a lot of stabs, a lot of samples, a lot of a lot of loops. You know, you get on commercial sites and sell loops for packages of $30. And there's nothing wrong with that because I think that that's also something that, um, you know, is a great tool. But the second, tier, the second problem in, in producing is artists. When you gotta work with artists, they're also a pain in the ass for eighty um, percent of them. You yeah. know, you meet these people. You got guys that are dope, but you know they're hard to get a hold of. It's all a, uh, it's all a timing. 
Right. When am I gonna sit down with you? you know, what are you gonna do for me? You gotta chase these people down. And I, I'm yeah. a, I'm an old school dude where I don't kiss ass like that, man. You know, I don't I don't sweat nobody. You know, and I have a little bit of an ego myself, so I'm not gonna sweat some dude for some bars and shit. And that's why house to me, I could go loop some shit, mix some beats. Add some 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 melodies, some synthesizers right. to right. it, and it's a wrap. And get the fucking get the fucking record moving, you know. Because yeah. how many how many of the biggest dance tracks are house music? You know, it's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I'd rather do that than have to chase some guy who's either coked out, drugged out, high all the fucking time, or can't remember. You bring him in the studio, you blow five hundred dollars, and you ain't get shit done. Uh, yeah. You take him to your home studio, you gotta you know, introduce them to your family, you don't want this guy in your house, or sometimes some people have an ego, you know, you get the song done, oh, yo, when am I gonna get paid? I said, listen, my man, it, it, the record ain't even selling, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you gotta do a bit, you wanna do the full package, uh, money comes up with the videos, you know, the whole thing costs money, like a lot, I tell a lot of people, especially artists that wanna get in the game, they think that they can just record a record with a DJ and they can just overnight become Drake. I said, my man, it takes money, you know? <laughs> I said, you mean real real hustlers? I said, if you had, I always tell them, I said, if you had $20,000 right now in the bank, would you take that $20,000 out and invest it in that song you just made? And I'm gonna tell you like this, 95% of them absolutely say, hell no, you know? Yeah. Because nobody's gonna invest twenty thousand dollars unless they're really that serious. When the guys that tell you, "Yo, hell yeah, I'm gonna do it right now," that's the guy that's gonna make it. That's the guy that's gonna make it. The guy that'll go sell his car to put that money towards a song. That's the dude that you're gonna see be hot next week on World Star Hip Hop and all that shit. That's the guy that's gonna go boom. He blew up. Why? Because he paid the networks. He paid everybody to get the music out. You know, there's a lot. A lot of artists don't understand. There's this distribution services. There's everybody from DB Wax to Empty West to Innovator to the record pools for DJs. People break records through a network of DJs and and, and people and radio personalities. And influencers, and influencers people, too. Yeah. You know, if these people if these people don't get the record, they'll never know about you. Right. And then it costs money because every one of these services charges artists how much. You know the game, speeding. I they know. <laughs> from 500 and up, you know? So, yeah. and if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a publicist, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, that you need a publicist to get media contacts, to start writing, to start pushing, to start calling. You need a publicist. Publicists charge no less than 1000 to 5000 per month. But what they do for you is they get you press, they get you magazine interviews, they get you in Entertainment Weekly, they get you on Rolling Stone, they get you, they're the ones who create that 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 persona of you. And a lot of people don't really understand that. And if you're not in it for that, you know, you could go out there and produce the, shit, the, the best shit ever. You could go on a lot of distributors, you could go Distro Kid, uh, Symphonic, uh, TuneCore, all these different companies out there that will distribute your stuff off. They're, all they're telling you is 
the, they'll get the music to the store. Right. After that, that's the, that's where their contract ends. They get a percentage of what sells, but if you're not promoting that music to sell, it just sits on the store shelf. That's right. Because nobody knows about it. And it's a digital store shelf, and that's about it. You yeah. know? Unless somebody does nowadays a, a viral video, and the shit goes viral, and Cardi B just happens to post it, or vice versa. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> coronavirus joint. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just, and that was her voice. So, yeah. I mean, just, you know, you think about it, it's kind of like, I'm sure, I'm, you, I'm sure she BMI that shit real quick. <laughs> right, right. So it's, it's almost like, like you have to actually be on the mindset of like what you're gonna do. You have to have a, a, a plan. You have to work your plan and plan your, you know, and plan your work. You know, and a lot of people they're not in it. A lot of people want the dream, but they don't want the work that comes with it. You know, right? Um. It's like a lot of people always ask me, yo, man, so so what is it that you're going to do in music? I said, look, as far as I, 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 all, all I ever wanted to be was a DJ that could play music and travel and do and pay his bills for a living. My, my goal was never to say, oh, I'm going to create that epic record that everybody's going to. That wasn't my goal. And that's probably why I haven't produced that, that record, because my goal was always to be DJ, the hottest party, putting the hottest tracks, and that was my goal, and I've accomplished that goal, you know, 10 times full. But, you know, what's the goal nowadays, you know? Like, some people plan to be a millionaire, some people plan to be rich. All I wanna do is just get my bills paid and leave something for my kids. I, I'm not, you know, I'm a humble person. I'm not one of these guys that, you know, has to show up in Jordans to the fucking club or, or, or you know, have that, the latest DJ gear, you know, it's like, I know DJs that are out there, it's like, yo, I need the new S9, I need the new Pioneer, oh my God, Ray's coming out with a new mixer. Mm -hmm. Bro, those fucking mixers do the same shit that the old mixers used to do, <laughs> you know? Ain't nothing really changed. Ain't nothing new. A couple of, a couple of loop buttons, a couple That's of set, a cube, you know? Yeah, it's like, like, it's like the phones nowadays, too. You know? Yeah, it's the phones, you know, well, oh, now instead of two cameras, you're going to get ten. <laughs> cameras. So, I mean, you know, the, I, I guarantee you that in two years, the phones will come with drones and shit, you know? Yeah. Or you get your own drone with the phone. Yeah. That way, whenever you do a, a, a selfie, you do an aerial selfie. Yeah, you know that's, I mean, that's already available. I'm telling you, man, it, because it's, it's people don't see that it gets to a point where it's ridiculous. It's... It's, it's all about selling more. It's like, yeah. when, when do vehicles could become obsolete? Like right now, how obsolete will a Lamborghini or an F50 Ferrari be if somebody comes over with a flying car? It'll be obsolete. Yeah. Be like, people will be like, fuck the Lamborghini, I want the flying car. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because the truth is, it's already maxed out. How much more power are you gonna put behind the fucking wheels? You're right. still riding wheels, man. Yeah. You still crash, you're gonna hit a wall at 200 miles per hour, your brain will liquefy, you know? Yeah. So, it, it, once you build a flying car, all that shit, cars go become obsolete. Yep. And we're, we're in the year 2020 and we don't even have that. So, it's gonna be another 20 years before that even happens, the way I see it. So, yeah. it's the same thing in DJing, you know? Why can't you replace a Technique 1200 turntable? Because 
it does the same shit that any other entertainer today does. You know? Right. You still play records, and it's like I, I've been in a lot of clubs, and I've, I've had you know situations in life where that's, that's people, actually some people take it too seriously, and then you sit there and you go, bro, we're just playing records. At yeah, the end man. Of the day. End of the day. Just, I, I, I teach uh, kids how to DJ, uh, kids and adults, and the, the first part of the lesson is introducing them to Serato and explaining to them that this just mimics or replicates this and then I point to the actual turntable that's on the other side of the classroom you know and I said this 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 just emulates that you know uh, if you really want to learn how this works I got to teach you this turntable first you know so you can appreciate what this computer does for you you know Right. Virtually. Right. But um it's, it's wild, man, it's it, wild. It's like a knife and a bow and arrow will do the same thing a gun does. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean it, it's funny like when you look at cowboy movies, you always used to see cow uh, cowboys. They would have a gun, but they would fear Indians. <laughs> <laughs> Indians had arrows and shit, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those fucking arrows were deadly but they, accurate. But they, like, they've been ah! shooting them arrows since they were four years old. <laughs> they will pierce. Yeah. They pierce your, 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 your bones. So, you know, you have to think if, you know, if we teach these kids from the get go the right way, they're going to be better in life. You yeah. Know? And it's the same thing with DJing um, in the business side of things. You know, by me telling you right now and whoever's listening to this, the signs, because, you know, I got I got knuckleheads in my life, other DJs who are like, yo, I'm going to be the best, the best dude at scratching. And, yo, you watch when I get all these crabs and all these fucking staffs and chirps and all this shit down pat. Yeah, I'm still not that good at all that. <laughs> yeah, my phone, yeah, they're going to be like, my phone's going to be nonstop ringing. I said, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all right. That, that's, that, that's, that's not how it works, my man, yeah. you know? I mean, people don't realize when you look at clubs in Vegas and you look at clubs in, in the in the major what's called the, the epitome of nightlife, you always see the same names. A lot of these guys ain't releasing records. Right. You know? A lot of them are doing some bullshit edits. Sometimes you'll you'll have a guy that will release an edit pack, and all he did was, you know. Added his a, a snare or something to something that was already made by somebody. <laughs> a re, I, yeah. I like I like the new word a uh, redrum. That's why I like I like that edit. Yeah, redrum. Re right. <laughs> you added a kick. You added a kick on the third or the fourth bar. You know, it's like oh shit. You know. A redrum. I give this to all my DJ friends. <laughs> um, and let's talk about the tracks, man, because I don't, uh, we're already about an hour in. I want to talk about the tracks. Um, discoteca, my bed. The most popular on Spotify right now. Um, talk to me about that song. And uh, the track that I did with um, DJ Sahara Shad. Yeah. Um, uh, Sahara Shad's a really cool girl. She's uh, she's literally like I don't know. I, I, I she's like the Snooky of the Jersey Shore in like in Belgium. Ah, uh -huh, like, okay. Yeah, like the, <laughs> yeah. So she was like born in 2015, like the number one female DJ in the world. So oh, okay. 
So we, yeah, we we were uh, booked in Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Bahrain's an island country off the coast of Saudi Arabia, and we did New Year's Eve there. And I met her there, and um, we were doing New Year's Eve together, and we we hit it off. She was really cool people, and she was really good at doing EDM, at mixing you know electro and stuff like that, and it was great, man. We had some ideas put together, and she goes, yeah, I want like a pop track that also has kind of like a EDM house drop, and put that track together. I really didn't know what the track was gonna do. I, I signed it to uh, the title of Slow DJ uh, mm-hmm. Records, and mm-hmm. then then it went with Big Tool Records now, and um, they bought Loud DJs, and it really has probably been one of my most popular tracks, which I was really, at the time, I really didn't, you know, didn't know, didn't even think that track was gonna be the biggest track. Yeah. Um, and I came at, I came, I started producing and releasing tracks at a time where like Martin Garrix was the hottest thing. Nice kid. So at that time, excuse me, a lot of my tracks sounded kind of like similar to um, a lot, a lot of these guys that were just putting a lot of EDM tracks that had the same kind of drops and I was trying to still find my sound but I mean that's coming that's coming because I tell you right now a lot of these tracks that I have right now online they're good they're cool but I'm not 150% crazy about them because now that I'm a lot more seasoned I got a lot more ideas because if you notice right now and you look back at let's say 10 years ago at the birth like when when the electro came on and the scene it, it was really hot but look at EDM right now where it's at it's boring now yeah it's like you, you go it you fell go off check out, yeah you check out the, the tracks it's either Future House it's like ding, ding, it's you know Future House mashups or produces just like a bass riff this just on steroids and the electro house is just too hard for the nightclubs. You know, people jump for five seconds and they get tired because it's not it's not the festival. You know, right? So, in a club format, people have stopped producing good club dance tracks. Which was something was which to me was something that was really well done in the eighties and the nineties, and the two thousand and down with the birth of EDM prior to that which was Electro House was dope but once that went pop with the Black Eyed Peas and, and the real producers from people from like Mastercraft to Justice and when they stopped doing it because it became all cool it's like the quality went right down the drain and then we got commercialized and commercialized and commercialized and it blew up to this big bubble where it's ultra now and all this shit and right you know how much crazy can you get you the human body can only move so many ways so it's like you go to one of these festivals just people jumping around like in, in a bouncy house you know <laughs> once the drop drops but the dancing is no longer there so that's why i'm still trying to find that groove that's still housey that's right. still Funky, still cool. Actually, it's kind of funny that you say that because a lot of the rest of your most popular tracks are kind of in that 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 vein of that funkiness. And mm-hmm. starting with number two, I'll let you tell the story about that story. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a, a thing that me and you did. Where, yeah. You know, we actually capitalized on the viral effect of that, and and you know, it has that that in house feel. You know, mm -hmm. it had the, the we repeated the melody. Uh, it went back and forth, and <laughs> the fact that the guy has you know that Latin accent, and you know, she's yeah. a sauce. So it just, it just gave, it worked, it worked for the time. It worked for the moment. It was in the moment. We struck when the, the iron was hot. That's what we did. Mm -hmm. It's still hanging around. People like it. Yeah, you can still play it and people, people remember. But yeah. it, it's, it's one of those things where there's a couple of tracks I have on the site now that I'll drop once in a while and they'll get an immediate reaction. Right. Some of my, you know, like I got this vibe, is effing huge. That track mm -hmm. makes the club go crazy anywhere I play it because the drop has a hard kick and it, it uses you know brass strings element for the for the surprise oomph right. you know like and what that does on the dance floor it just reemphasizes the power and what I've always said is that when you have a track. That uses the sound system at any one of these venues, whether it's a festival or a, a nightclub, if it uses all the elements of those speakers properly, and the people feel it, they're gonna move. They're gonna move right. Yeah. And we talk about another song that's similar to that, which is actually number three in your most popular songs right now, uh, is "Knock Knock Who's There." Well, see, when I made that song, I'll tell you right now, the label didn't like it. <laughs> well, that's like, funny, right? Yeah, the label building like they're like, yo, what's this? What's this rave, Mumbaton type song that you're sending me? And at the time, well, I had I had grabbed like an alarm sound and I had like extended it out, filtered it out, and then it goes, eh, 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 you know, like. But the guys at the label they kept complaining about it. They were like, man, you know, like, what, what do you, we don't know how to package this. So they were doing like these Miami top 100 or I think it was like these top 20 compilation albums. Like, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's kind of when, you know how they used to have CD stores, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe eight, nine years ago. Well, these guys are still trying to emphasize on a lot of these stores. So they own a, a, a couple of stores in Miami where they still have physical distribution where a lot of the tourists and a lot of people coming from Europe and whatnot, they go buy it. I'm in one of those I'm in Miami shirts and they find, you know, a CD rack and they have the CD there and so they will say like Miami's hottest dance tracks. Well, the problem was they were trying to add my track to those albums. And at the time they're like, yeah, but this is like some, some hard dance grunge rave. And I, I thought it was, I just, when I made it be, I wasn't thinking anything remotely like that. To me, it was just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm the one who knocks. It was just a hard beat. Yeah. They, 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 I don't know, they saw it differently. So long story short, they didn't really push it. They added it as a filler in a couple of, in a couple of uh, albums and compilations. And it, it just sat there. But it's one of those tracks that in the club still works today, but it works better now I think it works better now than it worked back then interesting to be honest with you one of my most favorite my favorite tracks that you've made so far which is so funky talk to me mm. about that song well that one I uh, 
I used to work, he was a sound guy at Havana Club over here in ATL. And uh-huh. um, he, uh, he told me he did, you know, uh, he was really good at chord progressions. I was like, okay, cool, man. And we were, we got through talking, and then this guy is like one of these, he's like a hippie type, but he plays all types of instruments and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, you know, he's just like, we're talking on, on the chat, and he sends me this riff, this guitar riff, and I'm like, he goes, yeah, see what you can do with that. And I'm like, I said, dude, I said, that guitar riff is solid, man. I said, so then, I don't know, I just started playing with it, man, the next thing you know. I came up with that track so funky um, and it's I love that cool track man. and, and I, I pushed that track on my own that was all on my own I just distributed that and I, I like it because you know at the time when I was recording it um, I had I had this 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 1200 that I was gonna sell and the tone arm was messed up and it had like a you know, I still had a needle on it. And I was trying to play these two records who I was trying to rip. And the records were dusty. So I was like, you know what? I hit record and it stayed in my dog. And that wreck, that sound, it, it goes. Right. That's from that wreck. That's from that that I recorded that. <laughs> and when I heard the sound, I was on the phone with A Rock and he goes, Yo, what's that? That what you play some records? I said, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to clean these records and record them into Maserato. And he's like, yo, you should add that sound to that track with the riff. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I said, <laughs> I said, yo, it'll give it like a real vintage feel. I said, really? You think so? And that's a guy right there who is also a genius. Cause he comes up with these different ideas and. To be real with you, it was one of those things where, um, where I actually I grabbed that sound, the guitar riff, and I just went with it, man. And that's how so funky came about, man. Yeah. So, uh, there's, I mean, there's so much. There's a lot of tracks that that's available for everybody. Um, let's do that shit. Um, Thunderbird, which uh, had some international airplay. You have a uh, Summer Breeze that we uh, did a. Uh, we did a little introduction on that and a um, little mixed cloud uh, podcast of that album when you dropped that. Um, the, but rounding number five, uh, as far as your top five, uh, Dundee, let's talk about the Baile Funk and uh, why you decided to do uh, mess around with that, those, that kind of beat. Um, I was actually, um, Baile Funk in Miami, I was, I was, looking into other other rhythms and at the time I started seeing a lot of Brazilian favela music trending and I started hearing about MC Ben Laden and all these guys who were hot at the time and I was like yeah you know what I saw a documentary with them and those guys were producing on MPC and I was like, they just have raw loops and then just yelling vocals over it, you know? Right. And the way they were punching these loops, it was just straight, they were just punching the loops like Swiss beats or something, you know? Something like that, like pom, pom, pom. And when I, I saw that, I was like, yo, man, I probably could do that. 
and that's how Violet Falls in Miami came about. But then I found a Brazilian girl online that was willing to do the vocal, the vocals, and then she added to the track. And then I put that out, and it was really at first it was really an intro for a mixtape that I was doing. So for you know, I was just trying to download all of the Violet Falls music from from Brazil. It was trending in the in the. It was like underground at the time. Next, you know, I, I see the Diplo and all these people, Major Lasers, getting into pilot funk big time out there. But prior to that, I was just doing some some mixtapes, some mixed class stuff, you know. And I just decided to do that track for the intro. But a lot of people was like, "Yo, that track's hot. Then that track's hot. Why don't you release it?" So you know, I said, "You know what? Let me do it." So I, I just packaged it up and I released it, and then it got it got some trends. Nice. Never majorly pushed or anything like that. You know, yeah. Got yeah, that good. one and the Dundee track too. That that has done doing pretty well on Spotify as well. Yeah, the Dundee track. It was pretty much I was playing around with one of those new Serato Pioneer controllers and. You know, I realized you could just, you could, you could actually produce with that. And for the website, I had a couple of stabs from uh, a synthesizer, and I just started running through the controller, and then I just went, doo, 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 and it just went crazy. Uh, you know? uh, I can't make, uh, I can't make the noise with my mouth. Equally <laughs> the same, but you know, it's all good, man. That's um, how that came about. <laughs> So just punching buttons, man. <laughs> that's all. That's the name of the game. Sometimes just having fun, right? Punch up the buttons, see what happens. That's it, man. And then if you could do it right, get it on beat, and build, build from there. I mean, most of the best producers, they're just playing around with the toys in the studio, and then they come up with this crazy beat. You know, nobody, like I said, nobody really goes in. And plus, plus, you know, nobody really creates like a Beethoven a masterpiece just because they felt like doing it that day. You know, it doesn't work like that. Right. And if and if, if there's people out there that do that, then mm-hmm. we're probably really rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh- Getting back to what's going on in the world right now, man, especially in the world of DJing, is all this COVID-19, coronavirus, uh, pandemic problems, all the nightclubs are shut down, all the bars are shut down. And I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, of course, on a worldwide scale, not just not just here in the United States, you know, um, for you, you are D, you're a DJ that's been through a lot of uh, adversity. And, you know, that, that's nothing new to you. Um, so uh, some of these DJs are, you know, understandably de- devastated. I mean, from from the basic wedding or quince getting canceled, you know, bookings for up for, for up to two or three months or more, you know, getting canceled. Their residencies getting canceled. Regular local nightclubs and and everything. Um, what when everything comes back to normal, Rico? Well, as we all know, eventually, you know, the 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 sun has to shine tomorrow you know right um when everything's back to normal what what can they do to now and well you know when everything's back to normal to get back into the swing of things because you know 
who knows what's gonna happen nightclubs are gonna go bankrupt you know, uh, uh, you know uh, all kinds of things can happen I mean the labels are still releasing music you know if you go on the record polls they're still promoting singles like if nothing's happening um, a lot of people have the mindset that you know things are gonna be alright in accordance to what the government is saying in the next two to three weeks at this moment all I could do is speculate. I can't really tell you. Nobody really knows. Right. I don't know if this virus is really a, uh, a, something that's really happening. People are perishing, whether it's all fraudulent. I, I don't know. Because personally, on my experience, I don't know anybody that's really sick. But then again, you know, you could walk into a hospital and it could become all too real. The only thing that I could tell you from the DJ perspective is most DJs, I advise them to, to stay relevant, you know, practice their skill, find alternate means. I mean, there's always Periscope, there's YouTube, there's uh, different platforms that'll pay you. Now's the perfect time. I mean, you see this guy, DJ D, D Nice, who was a legendary old school rapper. You know, all of a sudden, he went from like 5,000 Instagram followers to 900,000. And he just had an average session that everybody happened to tune into. I don't know if it was sponsored by Instagram or the fact that it triggered celebrities to tune in for him to, to go viral, but he did go viral. That equals after this after this whole thing passes over, he's probably gonna get booked back to back, you know? Because that's just the way it works. But the truth is that for DJs who are or in a situation financially, um, you gotta find a ways, you know, to make money. I, I've seen DJs go live right now and they're putting their cash app, PayPal info on the streams. They're accepting donations and taking requests, just like out of club. Because you gotta remember, people are quarantined to the house. That doesn't mean, that means that people can party in their living room, <laughs> party in their garage, there's some people out there, you know, I DJ a lot of mansion parties and a lot of private establishments that, that do have the ability to broadcast a DJ and whatnot, you know, so it's kind of like, um, it's one of those things that if, they, if it's done correctly, you know, you could turn your, your house or residence or wherever you're hiding it from this virus into a nightclub. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, I, that where I tell you is this, it's like, from the perspective of making money, if you ever want to be anywhere in life where you're financially somewhat, you know, set, you have to have more than one hustle. DJing is a hustle, but you have to have other avenues of income. You just can't rely on one income. Um, fortunately for Americans and a lot of people worldwide, that's that's the case. Everybody just has one stream of income. Most millionaires have six to seven, sometimes thirteen incomes. You know, some people, you know, have online revenue coming in. Some people have physical stores, merchandise. Uh, people have all kinds of different incomes. You know, some people are well off. Um, it seems to me that in the state of the chaos, everybody who's 
who's winning it happens to be well off you know right um, the, and the government doesn't happen to dictate the fact that you know blue collar america doesn't have you know most people have about a month's worth of, of rent money put away you know you're looking about the average american probably has 2500 to 5000 put away and some people just live paycheck to paycheck so the way that i predict society will collapse in a matter of a week or two where people are not going to take the virus seriously and that's where it's going to get ugly because people are going to risk their lives because when you don't have something you're going to if the mind automatically is going to say well you know i don't have it so it's not going to it's not going to affect me it's not going to affect me and they're just going to go out there and try to get money by doing what everybody else is doing to make money right now what's, what's making money people working at Amazon delivering packages supermarkets you know right now if the pharmacies Walgreens CVS are all hiring the supermarkets are hiring because they're under stock they need people to stock stuff so you know people are going to hit the flunkies and get go to those jobs the people that refuse to do those jobs they're going to have to you know they're going to want to go back to the regular ways and people are just going to come back out and it's just going to i actually predict you know, on your show today that all that's going to go away in a week or two because nobody's just going to confine themselves to the house if they're physically not being impaired you know um you know and even though it's an airborne pandemic and it's really out there based on, you know, on some kind of flu, it comes down to this. It's either you stay home, make no money, and you starve to death, or you go out there, risk getting the virus, and you make some money and get yourself some food. Or worse, do whatever you gotta do to survive, you know? It's as simple as that, man. Because what, what, what if, let's say if you're one of these people that don't have it, don't have the money your landlord's pressing you your regular bills are coming through light water all that what's going to happen when when shit hits the fan are you going to be worried about some virus at that time your mind is going to be so you know so out of it you're going to be so out of it that if the virus kills you that might make that might make things all together better you know <laughs> think about it you know, if the virus kills me, I'm bill free, <laughs> and I'll be with my creator. You know, because yeah. if the society collapses it, it, the way it, it has with this quarantine situation, is gonna collapse in the sense that you know people need to live and make money. They, they're not stopping the bills. If if they were to tell, oh yeah, all bill collectors cease to collect your money, that's not happening. They're stopping you from making the money to pay those bill collectors. Yeah. But it's 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 unfair. It's kinda like if if you got into an argument with the likes of Mike Tyson and just because you insulted him, I get to hold your hands back and he's gonna get to punch you back and forth. <laughs> it's just not fair. It's like wait a minute, he's still Mike Tyson, he's gonna mess me up. I need to, I need my hands. Oh no, you can't use your hands because <laughs> you offended him. But that that's the way the this situation is being handled. Because the rich 
ball players. I don't I don't give a shit about these people who are really wealthy, you know, in the NBA or in, in, in any you know big sports. Those guys got millions. They got you know they're fine. They got probably a chef that goes there and cooks the meals for them. They're good. It's blue collar America that's in trouble. Yeah. Because the people, the families that live paycheck to paycheck, they're the ones who who can't afford this shit right here to stay home and do nothing. So it's either they're all gonna get together and say, fuck this flu. We're gonna go out there and tear it. Just live like we were living before and things are gonna get back to normal our way and the doctors have to suffer or everybody's gonna fucking die. Because if, if, if there's really a serious virus out there and the people go back out there and then everybody gets the virus, then nobody lives. I mean, it's it's just what it is, man. So, I mean, think about all the possible scenarios. You know, this this is like one of those hypotheses for like a theoretical <laughs> thinker. You know, some Steve Hawkins shit. Yeah. Like you need some. You need like because if you think you know, it's like when Steve Hawkins tells you all the probability of aliens being friendly is none because anybody that's traveling the galaxies. They're going to assimilate and acquire planets, you know? Right. So it's the same thing. It's like, you're going to sit here at your house until you run out of money and the bills are chasing you. They're, the bills are going to kill you. The bills and the lack of not having anything is going to kill you or the virus is one or the other. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. So what you going to You're going to roll the dice. You're going to be like, fuck this virus. I'm not sick yet. I just keep going till I get sick. And that's what really happens in reality. People are just going to say, fuck the virus. I mean, it just makes sense. You know, because if you're not sick, it's kind of like AIDS. How many people out there have sex, unprotected sex? Yeah, they roll the dice all the time. They roll the dice all the time. You know why? Because when they say the first thing, oh, it could never happen to me. And some people get lucky, it never happens to them. But some, they could be a virgin and the next day they catch AIDS, you know? Yeah. But then there's whoremongers out there just <laughs> doing it for years. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's one of those things. You could play Russian roulette. But it's going to get to that point where everything's going to, it's going to come down to that. Because I, I don't, I don't see them telling you, oh, yo, hold another three months inside the house are you crazy are they crazy like <laughs> well i hope i i sure hope it doesn't end that end up that way man brother thank you so much for um hanging out with me here in the in the lounge i call it a salon de speed junior but you know we since it was all well, english today you know it's the lounge today oh it's supposed to be in spanish <laughs> nah it's all good no it doesn't matter it's a bilingual uh, show so this happened yeah, to be in English today. Well, oh. it's a you should have told me. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's all good, man. It's no, been a pleasure. Uh, again, you know, uh, you know, my prayers go out to those. They're, you know, they're in a tight situation right now, and everybody around the world who's uh, who's struggling. Um, but be smart. Use all your avenues. You know, if you got a live stream, make money. Ask for donations. Create a GoFundMe. That's what those services are out there for, you know? Yeah. You know, you got, yeah, I could even probably tap into my DJ insurance right now, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> probably. Like, it's what it is, you know? So it, it's, 
at the end of the day, you have to look at it from that perspective. You know, it's it's a global situation, and nobody, if anybody refuses to understand, they just have, they're just being ignorant. You know, so. Rico, drop all drop all your socials and the website and everything so they can follow you. Yeah, my, my main website is djricosanchez.com. Uh, I have just about all my social links on there. Everything's on there. But if you want to follow me on all my social links, it's at djricosanchez, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I don't do Snapchat. I don't do TikTok. I just don't have time for those videos and stuff like that. But I'm on I'm on the gram, and I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, and I'm online at djericosanchez.com. And my mixes are on mixcloud.com forward slash djericosanchez. I'm also a member of lamezcla.com. They have an app. You could download the app, and you can find my mixes as well as Speedy's on there, and everybody else's that's on the team. You already know. Thank you so much, Rico. Thank you for hanging out with me. And uh, get the epic, this epic me. podcast today. We're going to get this up right away. All right, my man. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too, brother. Thank you.